Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform. With AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets. So you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, the CMO at HubSpot, joined as always by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO at Zapier. Today, we are coming with the biggest innovation yet from OpenAI and ChatGPT, the ChatGPT Code Interpreter. If you're a marketer, if you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you now have your own analyst and web developer right with you with the Code Interpreter beta from ChatGPT and OpenAI. It is mind-blowing some of the early use cases. We're going to talk all about those. We're going to break those down. And we have a bunch of other surprises and bonus breaking news on today's show. All right, Kieran, you and I were up this morning very early. Well, you were in Ireland. You were up anyway. (laughs) I was up very early. And the WhatsApp was steaming on Code Interpreter from ChatGPT and a bunch of other news, MidJourney 5.1, all kinds of craziness happening in the world of marketing, business, and AI right now. Can you break down for everyone the kind of base level of Code Interpreter and why it is so interesting today? I think Code Interpreter, we can just summarize it as now you have a data scientist with you at all times. And so if you think about what's happening... <laughs> well, and a web developer, by the way, too. And a web developer can code in Python. So think about what AI has done over the course of the last six months. It really is like Neo from the Matrix, right? You can plug the little plug in and then you get upgraded as a human. And so we got design capabilities. We got all of these different capabilities. The code interpreter capabilities is just mind-blowing. There was like so many great articles on this last night, but it basically you can upload a file of data, give it no context. I've got the thread from Ethan Mollick. Mollick. I think the incredible thing is Ethan give it like a XLS file and just no yes. context and then just started querying the chat GPT on the data and then got the plugin to like graph out a bunch of stuff, which is what you're showing. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts, right? Because all you need now is data, right? Like any kind of data extract and you can upload files, it can download files. What's really interesting is it came out the same day as Box. I don't know if you see Box released. Yeah, well, I was tools. just going to talk about that. Now with Box, you can chat with any of your documents in Box and add right. and get all the insights out of those documents. Like, The knowledge we have has never been more accessible. Like that's one of the takeaways here. What's really interesting, right, is like NFTs give ownership to digital assets. What AI is doing is it's making all of your digital assets interactive. We're creating new technology. The brilliance of AI is it's retroactive, right? It's taking all the stuff that everybody already uses and making it 10 times better, better. easier, more valuable, right? Exactly. The limitations you used to have to be able to do cool stuff are just like being evaporated, right? You have a huge number of people out there that may have like incredible ideas and incredible things that they can do with data, but they're held back by 
the ability to parse the data and all of the tooling and execution that comes with it. But if you can just go from data idea to execution of that idea, it actually expands the number of people that can actually use data, makes data much more valuable because now you have many more people that can actually do cool things with it. And that's what you're seeing with all of these tools. The code interpreter to me is the biggest disruption yet. ChatGPT is the biggest disruption. But in terms of the features it's released, I think it's the biggest one yet because having the ability to have a data scientist a person at ChatGPT that can analyze data, that can graph the data, that can give you all of the information you need on the data. Like it is a CFO for any CEO in their pocket, right? It's not even a CFO. It's an analyst. It's everything, right? And right now it's just all, you can upload the CSV, uh, you know, spreadsheet and ask it to query it, build graphs and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. But we're not that far away. Once it's a mature feature, it's going to be in the open AI kind of like commercial API. And you're going to be able to use this with all of our business data. Like reporting user experiences are largely in a lot of cases going to go away because people are just going to chat query to get the insight that they want out of their data or the graph that they want in real time versus complex looker dashboards and other reporting use cases, right? Yeah, I don't know what happens to analytics companies because what we're going from is a one-to-many experience. <laughs> blowing Right, we're going from a one-to-many experience because of the amount of work it takes to get that thing. So in terms of even analytics reports, they're still one-to-many, which is you have some people who can build charts from themselves, but most of the things that we do is we build charts for many people. But AI is making it really easy to customize everything for you. I can customize an app just for me yes. and have a single use case because the cost to do that is so low, it's like nothing. Now I can actually just build the charts that I want through natural language. Why am I going to use an analytics tool when I can actually just build any chart I want from data extracts and have it customized to my needs? We are very close to the world where it's like, cool, I have some data. I ask it some questions. I build some charts. It auto-generates a presentation of my brand guidelines, and I can go have a conversation with whoever I want about it. Right. Right. The data interpretation like, that is mind blowing. Data analysis and, and interpretation of that data is no longer a blocker from you being able to make that data actionable. All data becomes much more actionable. And Kieran, I think a good example. One of my favorite AI newsletters and AI Twitter followers is Rowan Chung. I think you and I share a lot of his stuff. I think he's doing a good job. He shared on Twitter that put AI Chat GPT claimed their first victim. It was his framing? But right. really what it means is there's this company called Chegg. And Chegg does services for like student tutoring and helps students do better at school. And ChatGPT has completely replaced this like tutoring service and their market cap got cut in half. The stock dropped in half when they reported bad earnings and cited ChatGPT as the disruptor and cause of those low earnings. So when we're talking about a lot of this, it seems, oh, this is in the future. Code interpreters, months, years away, whatever. It's No, this stuff's like right now. And changing the business landscape and dynamic right now, right? Right. Wherever you have a marketplace of talent, ChatGPT is going to be pretty disruptive for that. Like Stack Overflow, all these places that are just a, a community of talent, a marketplace of talent where you go to to get certain answers, where you go to to get help, where you go to to get reviews of your content and expertise on that content or recommendations around that content. All of that kind of large marketplace of ideas, large marketplace of reviews, large marketplace of like expertise they are all under threat from ChatGPT. The other thing I just wanted to end with on this is like the one I wanted to show you actually real quick was the Jason Calacanis. This is like a really good example. So first of all, there's this really cool plugin called ShareGPT. And so ShareGPT, if you want to share your conversations instead of like screenshot of them, you can just install the Chrome. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's what Jason's using. 
And so what he did was he just uploaded a CSV file, yep. right, of electric vehicle population data. And then he was just like, hey, tell me the most interesting trends in that data. Yes. And boom, here's the most interesting trends. I love this one. Please give me the same analysis, but take out Telsa, right? So like, yeah, just adapt it to my needs. And he continued to just ask it and probe at these like really cool questions without ever having to understand how this is put together himself. That is just a mind-blowing superpower that we now have access to. Like that stuff, usually you would need an analyst. You would have to wait for the analyst to queue you up and prioritize yeah. you. And they've got a hundred things to do for the CEO. And you're like, oh, it's like, I don't really know how to do this myself. And everyone has like different data reports, right? Because everyone's producing different versions of the same reports and analytics dashboards based on the same data because everyone does it slightly differently. All that goes away. I think this is incredibly disruptive to so many companies. Well, it's incredibly disruptive. I've got a few things I got to get to on this. But the first thing, Kieran, is when we talk about Web 2.0, you and I came up in Web 2.0. What Web 2.0 really did, it democratized publishing and connection, right? Yes. It's, that's what it democratized. Web 3.0 or the AI era democratizes everything. Democratizes everything. I love it. It's everything is democratized. Like your special skills are now just superpowers that are diffused across the entire population. And one of the things that we know, and it goes back to Packy's article of intelligence superabundance, which was my favorite thing I've read this year so far, which is as we get these new powers democratized, humans' consumption of them is just going to go through the roof. Right. Right. Like we are going to have more interesting insights. Like another example, which we didn't share, was they use code interpreter to take all the U.S. census data and analyze census data and populations, trends, and then write an academic paper based on that. Right. It's bananas. So let me just quickly show you this one. I, we forgot to show the fact that it can create for your presentation. <laughs> it can create GIFs. Oh, yes. This was amazing. This was the one I was talking about. So this is Ethan, again, who does incredible work. I'm signed up to his newsletter. He uploaded a map of all the lighthouse locations and asked it to create a GIF of those <laughs> locations. And so what it's doing is it's twinkling, it's twinkling the lights nuts. of the lighthouse. Yeah, isn't that just bananas? Like it actually created this gift to actually better interpret the data. So you can actually give it the data and ask it to create a gift from that data. So you can visualize the data. Like it can actually create data visualizations. Well, we've taken just centuries of learning about data visualization and put it in a model that can now make it accessible to anyone who doesn't understand anything about data visualization. It's it's Iron Man, right? I, you know, I'm a big Marvel. You're not a Marvel guy, but like Iron Man 1, Robbie Downey Jr. starts out. He's the only one with a suit. Yes. And it's like this cool thing. And then as they go on, everyone starts getting suits. Like his enemies have suits. He's like 100, <laughs> all these people have suits. And just everyone gets an Iron Man suit, right? That's what's happening with AI in terms of what you, like it's exactly what you said. It's democratizing superpowers. So everyone gets their own Iron Man suit. And it's basically going to be who can use the Iron Man suit the best. And the people who are going to be using it the best are the early adopters, first mover. If you're watching this video, you are in a unique position to go and take advantage of this stuff, right? Because you are catching it at the very tip and early wave of this. So one of my takeaways for everybody is that AI is democratizing everything. So if there are things that you have not been able to do because you didn't know those skills or you didn't have the resources to do them, like that is all going to change. And so one of the biggest skills in the AI world is going to reset your mind to the fact that anything is possible. Right. But you're living with these sets of artificial constraints that were constraints of a past society. I love then that. Now we're moving to a new society where those constraints are far, far fewer. Right. Yeah. Like you used to think that I can't even start to do this thing or move forward with my idea because these are the blockers. Those blockers are really being knocked down. Like you can basically code something much, much easier. You can do data visualization much, much easier. You can design, you can create, you can publish content. Soon you'll be able to take 
text. I don't know if you've seen some of the incredible things that's happening with video. The text to video stuff is it's so so it, right now. Runway but it's going to be my Lumia, like we need to do a whole show just on the text to video stuff. It's sick. I, I got a couple other points though. I, I want to make sure I hit with you, Karen. I kind of think we should just make an index of all public companies that are like heavily service dependent businesses. Because I think if your core product is human talent and service, you are going to get disrupted. Yeah, you're going to get disrupted, right? If you just had that portfolio and just shorted that, I think you would generally do pretty well because those companies are going to be the highest disruption. The more you are dependent on human skill and hours to be successful as a company, the more disrupted you are going to be. And the more you are offering services to other humans that AI can offer faster, better, cheaper, man, that is a big part of the disruption that's going to happen here, right? Yeah. The other thing I wonder about is we're going to do an episode in this, but like community sites. So there's like large community sites, which oh, are question and answers. There's community sites, which are largely question and answers. And Chegg is like a community site, but there's other sites that are just question and answers. There's medical versions of it. There's handy people versions of it. Like all of these different things, which are just large marketplaces of questions and answers, bringing experts together, bringing other people together and allowing them to interact with each other. I think all of that can actually move to AI, but the kind of weird thing is AI can replace that because it's training on their data. So this comes into the Data Wars episode we did, which is, I think there's like a Lumen problem there because Stack Overflow is like the one that's the most obvious. The transaction there within the community or how people interact in the community is very transactional. It's, I have a question, here's answers, here's the best answer. All of that can move into AI because the community is much more transactional. Whereas like Reddit, I don't think ever gets disrupted because it's not as transactional. It's like a sense of belonging. Like people love to be in Reddit. There's humor. There's a whole culture in Reddit. And I think transactional communities get eaten away at by AI. And I think communities that have personality and a belonging and make people feel like they actually want to be within that community. And I'm not saying people don't feel that way about Stack Overflow, but I bet you they move very fast when they can get better answers elsewhere. I think there are two different types of communities. There's a community like Reddit that is kind of this evergreen, high engagement community, right? Where you've got people engaging on all these subjects and there's high engagement rate. The biggest problem with the social web in the last era of the internet is that most quote unquote social properties, whether it be blog comments, forums, communities, et cetera, they had very low engagement rates, right? Like sub 1% of the people who actually read the thread actually commented and engaged, right? And that completely goes away in an AI world. In the AI world, you could have 100% engagement rate because the AI can engage and, and iterate with you in a way that humans historically have been unwilling to, right? Right. I love that. So Q&A is much better with an AI because AI can always interact with you. Plus, it has all the knowledge in that community baked into it because it's taken yes. and trained on that data. But what it can't do is it can't give you like the Reddit, Wall Street bets kind of feeling where you're like part of a group and you're part of a movement and like it can't make you feel that way. No, if you're a transactional community or your community of like how to, AI can disrupt that yeah. quickly and will disrupt that first. But there will be some aspects of community that will get more valuable and more differentiated in the AI world. And the other is AI will kind of eat up. I 100% agree. The other thing I'll just add in Code Interpreter, one of the things I was just thinking is when you pair that with scraping. Oh, scraping and, and, and the open AI plugins, you can do crazy shit. You shopping. can scrape any website, collect the data, and then run it through Code Interpreter and ask it questions. Like, I just want to say how bananas that's going to be. So the bananas. other real quick story we should talk about because it's continuing the theme of disruption and AI is here. This is now. This is... This is ChatGPT's most disruptive feature, and AI is disrupting everything right now. The Walmart story, I thought, was incredible. Oh, yeah. You were telling me briefly about this before we got on air. So tell me, and then I got a couple of things I want to hit you up with. Yeah, so Walmart ran this test 
with this tool called Pactum AI, P-A-C-T-U-M AI. And it basically is an AI bot that allows companies to negotiate with their vendors, right? So it has the ability to pull yeah. in information and negotiate with vendors. Walmart ran it in a small test. First of all, I will say this shows you, there's like a think tank out there or like people think, Enterprise will be slow to adopt AI because they're going to be really nervous. Disagree. I think enterprise is going to be forced to adopt AI much faster than we think because they're really nervous about disruption. They're way more nervous about disruption than they are how AI is going to impact, have some errors or impact their own business. Before you get into the Walmart thing, what I would say is everybody who's running companies, especially large companies right now, they went to college, they went to business school, and there's been really two decades of brainwashing about Clay Christensen's Innovator's Dilemma. Like right. anybody who went to a major business school was just right. basically yeah. conditioned to say, well, you have a major risk of being disrupted if you do not innovate and change. Exactly. Right. And so everybody, leaders of today are way more paranoid than the leaders of yesterday. And that's why I think they're going to change and adopt AI much faster. But much faster because they don't want yeah. to happen to them. So Walmart's a good example, a large enterprise, and it's willing to put AI out there and start negotiating with vendors on its behalf to a small subset of vendors. And then it found that it saved that they're in 3% on expenses and so now it's going to roll it out to most of its vendors. A 3% expense saving is massive for a big for company. For Walmart, can you imagine their expenses? Come like on. Billions, right? And so I think that's a really good example of AI being used by a major enterprise, a huge yes. conglomerate today to do something that people have jobs doing. Like this comes into the IBM news that they think they can replace 7,800 employees, back office workers with AI Whew. over the next year. That's rough. In the next, not decade, year. And so this is happening now. So just again, just a good example for our listeners. This is all happening right now. <laughs> this is not in the future. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Kieran, I want to offer a counterpoint to our listeners. There's a really good article we'll link up in the show notes from Sequoia Capital, one of the most successful venture capital firms of the last 50 years, you know, essentially, one of the core players in this space. And they put out basically kind of an article paper on AI agents. And they offered some skepticism in that AI agents aren't currently there. There are some shortcomings of AI agents. Yes. And they're right on this. And they, I think they had some really nice framing of what AI agents need to be in the future. Their point of view is that to reach their full potential, AI agents have to become compute aware. So they're saying that right now, AI is very inefficient, takes a bunch of computing resources, needs to be aware of how much resources it's consuming. Totally agree with that one. Needs to be data aware of finding, connecting the right model and data source. We just talked about this with Code Interpreter, right? Matching the right data and describing that data with the model correctly opens up huge possibilities. Needs to be agent aware which is like 
basically how can it communicate with other agents, both human and robots, to actually have the right kind of operating model, which is like fascinating. We don't talk a lot about that. We talked a little bit when we talked about auto GPT, right? But man, that stuff is changing dramatically. And the interplay between humans and AI agents is going to change a lot. Yeah. Got to be safety aware. Got to check the outputs that it's creating sandbox. Right now, AI is like the MBA guy off the bench who's just chucking up threes because he's I'm going to make every three I put up. I, I'm like, I have irrational confidence. I am just, I'm the best. And that's every AI answer to everything. And what it's saying is like, AI needs to check itself and know what the quality of its output and better meter the quality of its output. And then it, they're saying it needs to be user aware. And I interpret user aware as like, is there a good feedback between the user and the AI? And is that AI actually creating something that's valuable and used? And that's why I think like application data of like, hey, this model puts out something that goes out into the world. And then we feedback the performance data to the AI is going to be really important for training and feedback to help these models improve longer term. Right. So what do you think about those? I kind of think they nailed the current shortcomings, but at the same time, none of those seem insurmountable to me. No, we're early. I do think like to walk back a little bit on, there is a lot of hype, right? Totally. I think that there's a lot of excitement. We were very excited about technology, but then going from the excitement and playing around with this and then making it applicable to your job, I think there's still a lot to be done to make it very applicable. It's in some spots, it is having meaningful impact on business critical tasks, or it's actually something we can use within our business. But there's a lot of the tools that get a lot of hype that I don't think are as useful. I'll give you like a hot take. I think content is a good example of this. I actually don't think the content tools, I think they're fine, but I wouldn't use them. The AI writing tools, they're good, but they're not like I literally, I haven't used one tool to, I wouldn't ship one article that the AI tool gives me. Now, does it help me on research? Does it help me in a little bit of a first draft? Outline, yes, it does. But is it going to write the best piece of content? Is it going to write a great sales page? Is it going to be the best copywriter for your website? It really isn't. It really isn't. It's not there yet. So that's like an example where that has blown up, right? That's one of the places where everyone has invested. But I actually think that it's use case is fine. There's way more interesting use cases. Like I think code interpreters are way more interesting use cases. Way more. And so we're going to find out, I think, where are the areas of initial disruption for AI over the course of the next six months? We've had a lot of hype. And through that hype, I think we're going to start to find out where are the places that AI today to actually have real impact. And so I think Sequoia is right. They're pointing out like, what are the shortcomings today? But we're what are we like November was really when all this kicked off. I know it's been going pre that, but like, yeah, we're like six, seven months into the true hype cycle of all yeah. of this, right? Which is pretty nuts. Yeah. So we're going to get past all this yeah, stuff. I think we just outlined the shortcomings, Karen, but at the same time, I want to hype something because I think the example of hyping something is really germane and important to the conversation you just had. So Mid Journey 5.1 just came out. So we talked Mid Journey Model 5 a few weeks ago on the show. It's already Model 5.1. You see this tweet. So this shot, this image was generated in Mid Journey 5.1. The same, same exact prompt generated this image in Mid Journey 5. That's a fine, like, it's really good. Like, that. that's awesome. The version 5 image is good. The version 5.1 is sick in comparison for the same exact prompt. Yeah. The design stuff has got incredible. The point I'm trying to make for everybody is that the feedback, like the cycle of innovation is so fast on this. So stuff, fast, right? With 13 people. Remember, the company is 13 people. <laughs> Maturity is 13 people. And they're shipping like every month. Right. And so it's one of those things where we can talk about all the shortcomings. The thing that is unclear is the time it's going to take to overcome those shortcomings. Right. And it's not years. 
is the point that I'm trying to make with no. this mid-journey example, right? We were talking like a month ago about how our mind was blown about mid-journey V5. And now 5.1 is a meaningfully better product, right? meaningfully better model and output. All knowledge workers are going to be impacted by AI. Most businesses are. <laughs> Kieran was so panicked on WhatsApp yesterday. He's like, I'm worried. I wanted a few more years of knowledge work before I had to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, this is like the our knowledge workers, this centuries farmers, right? That's the question I keep asking myself, which is if you look what happened to agriculture or any of the industries, you know, maybe we think we're like the, you know, untouchables in tech, but actually we just get completely automated away. And there's like a new thing that's above knowledge workers. The TLDR is Kieran's a little freaked out. And what we're saying is every major industry has automation come in that makes it far more efficient. And the number of humans needed for that industry goes down, right? And we're making that argument now. Yeah, or new roles get created and those roles are yet to be understood. I could leave with one quick cool thing. Or I just want a quick cool thing because we haven't talked about it yet. Oh, a little baby AGI, huh? Yeah, baby AGI got a little interface, right? Ooh. And I think it's kind of cool. Remind people what baby AGI is and give people the rundown here. Baby AGI is basically you can build recursive loops. And so you can ask the chat GBT to do something or baby AGI to do something and it will set itself tasks and go through recursive loops and set mm-hmm. other agents tasks. And so you can actually give it like a broad-based goal, right? I give it this kind of goal, which is if I was a new CRM vendor, create a plan to disrupt Salesforce. And you can see that it will give itself different tasks, right? It gives itself a set of tasks, gives itself a task list, goes off and executes that task, then comes back with what it had found. Based upon that, sets itself a bunch of other tasks. So when you're setting it up, you can say number of iterations. So I said five, you said infinite because it's using my OpenAI key. I will spend a lot of money, right? I spend like a couple of dollars, but <laughs> if, it's, get yeah, if it's infinite and tip in OpenAI, if you're using OpenAI keys, do set soft limits. So you can say, I want to spend max $100 this month. Do not get caught out with a big expensive bill. Yeah. But it comes all the way down. And it, it was actually pretty good. It like talked about like how to disrupt them in price and how to disrupt them and go to market. It did call out like one thing that was kind of cool here. You know, this was like a little bit of HubSpot play, right? It actually came all the way down and actually called that freemium yeah. as a way to disrupt Salesforce. And so it actually had some interest in... Yeah, it kind of goes back to one of the themes of this episode where like all the kernels of stuff are there. It just has to get better, right? And you're seeing it in that it, now you have this like UI and the answers are starting to get a little better and the loops are starting to get more efficient. It's still not where it needs to be, but it's gotten better in weeks, not years, right? Right, in weeks. And I would say the baby AGI example is a good example where it feels like the content tools where the, you know, it's cool. The answers are cool. I wouldn't use any of them or none of them is that incredible. And there was like one part of it, which was the freemium, which is how I felt like when I create content is, wow, like there's this one part that created for me that's kind of cool. And maybe I'll integrate that into my thing or give me some research or a first draft, but it's not shippable. Like a lot of stuff is not shippable, right? And I still think maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's how we want it to be. Maybe we want to stay in the driving seat. I certainly think that could be a good thing where none of this stuff is shippable and we're still needed. But obviously the, you know, question is, How long does that stay true for? The future is going to be awesome. It's going to be very different than the past. AI is going to democratize everything. Code Interpreter is a mind-blowing example of that. We're going to keep you up to date with all things AI and the use cases of how you're actually going to use that technology to do better marketing, to grow your business. All of those things are going to happen on Marketing Against the Grain. And we're going to be back with you again real soon.